we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. How do you handle waiting customers in your business? As customers are waiting with their car, all they're worried about is, when am I going to get my car back so I can get on with my day? They'll usually decline stuff that their car really needs just because they've got other things they need to do that day, and they might plan to bring it back, and life goes on, and they just forget about it. I'm sure at one point or another where you got that one stubborn customer that you tried to talk to, you tried to educate, you tried to get them out of there, and they're willing to sit there all day. So what do you do? Every vehicle that comes into our shop doesn't necessarily walk out of the door with a $3,000 estimate but you know on average most cars that come into the shop are going to need a couple of filters probably do for a fluid service maybe even do for spark plugs there's always going to be maintenance items that are due at every certain mileage marker for a better business a better life and a better industry the institute's leading edge all right we're um we're gonna start uh and it'll go live if and when it goes live i don't know what else to do here so um, welcome to uh, uh, The Leading Edge, episode 17. Um, today we're going to talk about waiters. Um, yes or no? Should we have them? Should we not have them? If we have them, what do we do with them? Uh, if we don't have them, why not? Uh, online, uh, we have uh, Mr. Ryan Klo. Ryan has uh, shops in Cincinnati. Um and I'm muting you, Ryan, because I can hear your background noise. <laughs> yeah. um, so you'll have to unmute yourself when you're ready to talk. Uh, Ryan is also a consultant uh, at the Institute, works with our clients. We have uh, uh, BJ Lee. Uh, BJ is a consultant uh, also uh, uh, at the Institute uh, and uh, um, used to have shops uh, a while back. And... Uh, Works with our clients. He's in charge of uh, what's your what's your title there? BG Vice President in charge of client services. Uh, VP Client Development. Yeah. So um, uh, we try to keep uh, we try to keep him going. We have uh, Tom Lambert, another one of our uh, guys, uh, has a shop, Shatri Automotive. Uh, I'm sure Tom will have a lot to say about uh, waiters or no waiters. And uh, uh, I think new to the leading edge is uh, Mike Passman, who has. Uh, as of uh, what uh, soon, two shops in uh, Red Deer, Alberta, uh, Canada. Canada. So we, let a, we let a Canadian on, so uh, we may have to torment him some. All right, guys. Uh, let's. Um, even though we're having struggles getting live on Facebook because uh, Facebook won't load itself, um, let's um, get to the topic. Uh, waiters or no waiters? Uh, 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 let's start with Tom. I like. Uh, I think Tom's going to give us some uh, uh, some stuff. I may play the devil's advocate a little bit on this uh, on this subject. Uh, Tom, uh, waiters or no waiters? Uh, definitely no waiters for me. Doesn't fit my business model. Uh, my personality just doesn't uh, doesn't even sound right even saying the word waiter. Uh, so no, uh, we're a we're a higher average pair order, lower car count shop. So. Waiters are definitely uh, not anything that uh, that helps my shop. So, okay. um, uh, uh, let's uh, let's uh, we'll go, uh, Mike. Uh, waiters or no waiters? I'm gonna be the same as Tom. I'm gonna say no waiters. We just actually had two people sit in our front weight room here um, for about an hour waiting for a diagnostic job in a Volkswagen, and it's got to be one of the most frustrating things in the world. I think. Um, they seem to be poking their head out in the windows and always looking to see what's going on. And 
I feel the techs feel under pressure and um, we feel under pressure to get their car done, which doesn't give us the opportunity to give them the best service and the best diagnostics. And, and then in that turn, maybe not giving them the best experience that we can offer them. Okay. So waiters um, don't fit your model either. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can, let me see if I can. And, and for a couple of reasons, one, uh, it, it seems to put stress on you and on your staff uh, with someone looking over your shoulder. <clears throat> and two, uh, because the, the, um, what was number two? See, white hair. Um, all right, we're gonna skip. For, we're gonna skip. We're gonna go to. Uh, we're gonna go to Ryan. Right? Waiters or no waiters? Uh, I would be in the no waiter camp as well. Okay. Um, uh, give me why? Why? Why are you in the no waiter camp? I think for several reasons. I think. Uh, They've touched on it already. It, it kind of rushes a process that to me just isn't a quick process. It's not the type of business model that, that we do. We're not an express lube. We are a relationship-based service. You need to bring your car here once, twice a year, plan to leave it for the day. You know, when the average hours per ticket is three hours uh, and maybe you need an hour to deal with the customer, it's just not practical to have them wait four hours sitting in the waiting room like everyone else said wondering what's going on, peering in. They should be at home or at work, getting on with their lives while we are taking care of their, their car and fitting it into our work day. And, you know, we can do that. And I'll talk more about that in a minute, like how and why we do it that way. But, um, yeah, the short of it is that's, that's how we run it. Okay. And, and BJ, you're, um, you're not running a shop today, but uh, waiters or no waiters? Uh, no waiters. Um, I think it gives the service advisors, you know, a level of comfort that they can converse with other customers on the phone or other customers in private um, without getting the stress of that. I think it removes a bit of stress off those service advisors and tech so they can work uh, in a way that they don't feel like someone's looking over their shoulder, as somebody else just said, right? <clears throat> Get the customer to home or work, and that'll help them take their mind off the stresses of the situation as well. When I'm when I'm uh, when I'm teaching service advisors uh, and shop owners, I always say, you know, I want to have the most beautiful waiting room, but I never want anybody to sit in it. Um, uh, for me, waiters, uh, they're a problem because I think they put they do put pressure on the techs. They certainly put pressure on me. I kind of feel like I need to go over there and talk to them every five minutes or ten minutes just to keep them entertained. And um, and I think that waiters, uh, in my opinion, don't have the right mind frame. Uh, they're not in the right place in their in their head when it comes time for me to sit down with them and and try to sell them uh, what else they might need. And and then I was I was kind of thinking about this this morning, and I think I asked the question of somebody here: How many of your clients are only going to need the oil change? You know, how many times does a car come into your shop, and if you do an inspection, the only thing you find is the oil change, and there's nothing else to 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 uh, to sell the person? You know, that seems uh, very uh, uh, very strange to me. Um, I think at that point, if you've got a person waiting in your in your showroom or whatever, and you have got them booked in for strictly a service, and all of a sudden you need uh, fuel filter, air filter, tire rotation, they're going to be far less um, more eager, I suppose, if that even makes sense, to buy those services if they're sitting in your waiting room. Because then all of a sudden they're going to go, oh, God, now i got to sit here for another hour or something like that. You know, So I think it, having people sitting in your waiting room doesn't give you the ability to, 
to sell those added services as easily as it would if you were to just send them an email, give them a quick call, and they're sitting in their office going, well, I don't need the car for another four hours. So just go ahead and get that stuff done. Um, Tom, you're shaking your head. Uh, um, why are you shaking your head there, buddy? Well, I, I just 100% agree with that. <clears throat> as customers are waiting with your car, their car, um, all they're worried about is uh, when am I going to get my car back so I can get on with my day. So they'll usually uh, decline stuff that their car really needs just because they've got other things they need to do that day, and they might plan to bring it back and uh, life goes on and they just forget about it. So on top of taking care of your shop and your team, uh, to properly take care of a customer properly, uh, having them wait, they'll usually decline things that they really need to have done on their car and they never remember to reschedule and bring the car back and whatnot. So. But, 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 okay, so, so let, me, let me go on the other side because this comment is gonna happen at some point in time. Um, what what about the fact that um, you know the easier I make it on clients, the more they're going to do business with me? What about the fact that I need to I need to be open, you know, uh, bigger hours for my clients uh, to make it easy for them? What about the fact that I need to have waiters uh, to make it easy for my client uh, uh, to do business with me? Because if people want to wait, they should be able to wait. I mean, because I hear that you know, coming from other camps. And I think that's worth having a conversation about. So Tom, what, what about that? Um, I agree with that. I mean, we do have to make it as convenient for our customers to use us as, as possible. Um, so that's why you have uh, an Uber account or a Lyft account set up to get customers where they got to go. You have a shuttle service set up, get customers where they got to go. Uh, you have a fleet of loaner cars to get customers where they got to go. So uh, it is not convenient for anybody to sit around doing nothing. Uh, sitting in my office should not be convenient for anybody. Um, sitting in their office while I do my thing should be very convenient. So you just have to get that point across. Uh, sometimes customers don't 100% see uh, see things the, the way that they should. You kind of got to help them see that even though I'm not letting them wait, it's actually more convenient that I'm going to let them go do what they need to do while uh, allowing us to do our job properly. So it takes a little training. You got to train your staff and then you got to train your customers. And uh, I firmly believe it is more convenient to get a ride somewhere than it is to sit around waiting in my, in my office. So. Um, um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Ryan this, this question. So Ryan, um, but I'm going to lose some of these people because they want to come and wait. And uh, they're not going to be able to come and wait in my business because I won't let them. And if I lose them, I'm going to lose these potential dollars that are going to come in my business. Uh, so why why not let somebody wait if that's what they want to do? For me, I don't know if I can really effectively train a service advisor, even if I wanted to do that, to be two types of business in one. Because if you train them but it's okay to let some people wait. They're just going to let everybody wait. It just becomes the culture of the business. So yeah, the reality is we're going to lose, you know, a couple of those customers. And I mean, at some point too in the discussion, I mean, we'll talk about like when we might have a waiter and what that would look like. So I'm not going to say absolutely never, but I think 99% of the time 
you know, the answer is going to be no. It's just not how we do business. Tom said it. It doesn't have to be inconvenient. People, we need to get that out of our head that it's convenient for the customer to have them wait and get them in and out. Uh, it's just not, I'm sorry, it's just not the kind of thing you can rush. Uh, you wouldn't want to. You'd end up with a rushed inspection. You would miss things. It would end up biting you or the customer later. And we're going to do our best job to explain that to the customers. And it's possible we could do a one-time exception, a new customer, we're slow, we got a tech who's flat rate, you know what I mean? But like, I would make a note in that customer's file and I mean, it would not become a regular thing. I, I think you can sometimes make a case for, hey, I want people to come and experience us, but it's, it's only gonna be under very, very specific circumstances that are very, very clearly defined. You know, for me, um it's funny because we, 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 I work with um, some tire stores and we wanted to up our level of service to the clients. So we said uh, we're going to wash windshields on people's cars. And so we bought rags and, and we gave them, you know, windshield cleaner. And, and uh, I came back, uh, you know, a week later and the tech said, hey, Cecil, you know, what if it's snowing outside? What, you know, what if it's raining or snowing? Do we really have to wash uh, this guy's windshield? And I said, well, you know, common sense. Okay, it's snowing. It isn't going to make a difference. Don't wash the windshield. Okay, I hate I hate exceptions for this reason. Um, and then uh, the next time I came back, uh, you know, a week later, they said, "Well, what if the windshield's really damaged? What if it has a big crack through it, or you know, um, you know, uh, etc." And uh, what what do we do then? Do we wash the windshield? And I said, "Well, you know, I mean, if I guess if it's really damaged, maybe you shouldn't wash it." So again, common sense rules out. We make an exception. And, uh, and then uh, a week later, we weren't washing any windshields, nothing, uh, because the exceptions became the rule. <clears throat> something that the, the, the techs didn't necessarily want to do, but it's something that we wanted to do for our clients, and, uh, and it ended up going away. And I think waiters are kind of that thing. <laughs> but, um, but BJ, you know, there, there, there are these... There's people out there that are saying, I, you know, I, I, I can't afford or I don't want to lose any particular customer. And, 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 and you know, um, I'm going to have people that absolutely want to wait or they're going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so what about that? I don't want to lose these people. Right. Um, you know, in my situation, I was in a shop uh, that has, it was in a rural situation, right? So we did have some clients that may have lived, you know, 30 miles away. So... Um, did it make sense sometimes for us to take that customer home 30 miles, 30 miles back? I have people away from the shop doing that. Um, you know, so there were instances where I did have uh, people wait uh, only uh, if they were uh, customers that I knew, people that uh, um, that were already educated, because I think it is our job to educate the customers. But sometimes in my case, it didn't make sense uh, to have all that travel time away from the shop, right? Um, or I was in an area uh, where I had maybe a tow-in, uh, somebody out of the state, you know, because I was in a military area, so we had people traveling in and out uh, through the different states and stuff. So there was really nowhere for them to go, uh, and maybe it didn't make sense for them to rent a hotel or something. So I, so I may have had that situation from time to time. But, um, you know, and then I've had the occasional customer, uh, which everybody has had, I'm sure, at one point or another, where you got that one stubborn customer that you've tried to talk to, you've tried to educate, you've tried to get them out of there, and they're willing to sit there all day, 
right? So what do you do? Uh, they may be a good customer willing to spend whatever they need to spend. They're just the type person that just is willing to sit there and crochet or knit and take a walk or whatever. Um, so I think on, in some instance, not most, I would say the lesser um, uh, that we make an exception once in a while. But uh, for the most part, I'm going to say, uh, you know, 90 something percent of the time, we're going to get them out of there. Uh, um, Tom, so if you if you don't have waiters, uh, uh, either you or Ryan or both of you said it doesn't fit uh, my model of my business. Is there a model where the waiter is part of that model, I guess, right? I mean, if I'm running a, an automotive service and repair business, I can understand if you're a quick loop and you got a drive-through quick loop. It's one of the reasons why I would probably say don't have a drive-through quick loop. Um, I actually think the dealerships hurt themselves when they put the drive-through quick loops into their dealership uh, because now they've created an expectation with the client that they're going to be there 20, 25 minutes and then they're going to go away or 40 minutes. Um, so, you know, other than a quick loop model, if I'm doing a, a service and repair model and uh, um, that that person wants to wait, has to wait, feels like they need to wait, and I don't want them there. I, I really don't want them there. What do I do? You know, you said Uber. What if they don't want to Uber? Um, you know, what what do I do with this, this person for the next three hours? Well, so in my, in my office, we have priorities. Um, number one priority is a customer in our office. Number two priority is a phone ringing. Number three priority is uh, any technician that's waiting on anything. So if I have a customer in my office, that's my priority. So I, I feel obligated to make them feel comfortable, entertain them, whatever. Uh, so I, I can't afford I can't afford to do that. I just regardless of how good the customer is, um, I I can't make that exception um, because that'll affect the other you know twelve cars I've got going on that day. So whatever I've got to do, if I was in that situation. Uh, maybe I would, uh, you know, send them to a local restaurant and take care of their meal. Maybe I would send them to the movies. I, I don't know what I would do. Um, I, I just know that uh, my shop's a perfect example of if you make an exception, that becomes the rule. So we make no exceptions, uh, period. Uh, well, there's very, very rare. And uh, if anybody does make that exception, um, there's very clear communication of why they did that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, whatever you have to do, even if it costs you 50 bucks or a hundred bucks to not break your own rule, it's worth it to me to, to spend that money to not go against my own word. Why, 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 um, let's say that I get, uh, you know, I don't know, Bob Jones comes into my shop. Um, uh, he's, he, he needs to wait. He's going to wait. It's the only thing he can do, uh, this particular day. Uh, this particular time, uh, maybe he's going to go out of town on uh, Friday and he's got to drive his car a long time and it needs an oil change or, you know, whatever. Um, why not let him, why not let him stay at the, sh at the shop? I mean, you, why pay 50 bucks uh, when he's only going to have an oil change? You know, what, why? Well, my average repair order is $800. So if I interrupt myself or my advisors because they're trying to entertain this guy 
it's more likely that we are going to not have the time to spend with the other customer uh, or customers coming in. So for me, uh, I can't afford to not spend the money to get them somewhere else to do. Um, even last week, I had somebody um, in a situation, new customer, all my loaner cars were out. Uh, they didn't have anywhere to go. They didn't want to take a shuttle ride. So I spent 20 minutes explaining to them how my process in the shop works and why having him wait makes me just makes us nervous because we feel like we've got to be, you know, hospitable and uh, entertain them. So uh, it came down to me handing him the keys to my own truck and he went and drove around, did whatever he wanted to do. So uh, waiters just interrupt, just, just causes an extra level of anxiety that advisors don't deserve to have. Advisors already have the hardest job I've ever seen or ever done. And uh, it is up to me as the owner to make their job as easy as possible. So having a guy, a new guy standing around waiting is doing the exact opposite of that, right? So, you know, and I think we do the exact same thing. I mean, we don't have a fleet of loaner cars. We've only got, we've got one SUV that we give out. We've got a little smart car. And if they're both out and if we got a customer who's in our waiting room, um, that level, like you said, Tom, that, level of anxiety essentially for I, I hate using the word anxiety because everybody uses it but the level of anxiety that you know that puts on a service advisor to have someone sitting there just like literally just patting the desk or twiddling their thumbs or doing whatever like that doesn't allow them to focus on the task at hand which we're in the same boat as you we've got a eight or nine hundred dollar average repair order um, most of our like 99 percent of our customers we train them to know that you drop your car off, we give you a ride, or we give you a loaner car. And if the loaner car's out, well, you know what? Jerry's got a truck at home. Do you want to drive that? Oh, we got a, you know, he's got an X5 that we don't, you know, it's his personal vehicle, but we'd rather get you out of here. So here's the keys, you know? And I think that um, creating a model for your customers that they know that we don't want you waiting, that's where that, if you start there, that's where you can kind of continue to go with all of your customers because you've trained them to know that we don't want you to wait because we can give you the best service possible when we have your car and not you. Okay, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a little shift. Um, I think um, if we, we're going to talk more about waiters um, and, 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 and um, you know, some of the reasons why it, it may not be a, a good idea, but, but, but I, I'd like to, I'd like to make, kind of a, a small shift here. I think that many shop owners don't feel that they can control uh, their business. <clears throat> you know, um, I kind of point to uh, uh, my dad as an example. I, you know, um, when I took over managing the business, the first year I sat him down and I said, okay, what are we going to make next year? And he thought I was crazy to, to do that. He basically said, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. Um, so if I'm going to not have waiters in my company because it's it's not what's best for me or what's best for the waiter, then how, how do I control my business and, and make sure my business is a solid business or is and is not having waiters a, a part of that? Ryan, what's, what are your thoughts on that? How, how do you control your business? It's a great point. I think a lot of us out there, especially the ones that started out as technicians, may have had to build the business up. And when you built it up, I mean, I don't know how everyone else did it, but I had to say yes to some people who I didn't want. So 
but there comes a point where you really, at least I started establishing my own, you know, ground rules and it took, it took time to get comfortable doing that and to realize that I could do it. I think an example of, I mean, just using the waiter example, it takes experience and training. It takes a believing I can do business the way I want to do business. And B, I mean, there are techniques to be used. I mean, if you take, if I call, you know, 10 different shops and ask to get a wait appointment, I bet I get in like eight, maybe nine of them. Uh, but it's possible to train a service advisor on how to deal with that person, you know, and we are fortunate to be in an era where we have things like Uber and we have these other solutions so that it can be more convenient. But it, a lot of it really just comes down to training it's, and, and belief, internal beliefs. This is how we're going to run the business. And here's the training. Here's how we explain to people why a wait appointment isn't going to be in their best interest. Uh, they have this idea. And a lot of it, I think, unfortunately, links back to trust. People don't trust auto shops. They want to get in and they want to get the heck out because they don't they don't trust us. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's maybe not a silver bullet. There's a lot of things that come into play. I will say as a shop transitions over the years into a better, more quality shop with a better reputation, that reputation is actually one of the things that I think has done wonders for us in, in not having any more waiters is people trust us. They know they can leave the car with us. So building that trust, building that relationship with people over time, spreading the word, having good reviews, it means that when a new person, especially a new customer calls, they're going to be much more likely to accept your education that you're trying to provide them. Hey, you got a uh, five or a 10 year old car. I, I know you want to make this, I know you want this to be quick, but we want to take a really good look at this car. I don't want this car to break down for you. I'm not saying you have to do all the work, but at least I'm going to present it to you. Uh, so again, a lot of phone scripts, as it were, I think, to help knock out the waiter problem before they even get there. I think I think also um, kind of understanding what what my belief about what my job is as a service advisor or as a, a, a shop owner for my customer. Um, uh, for example, you know, I think that it's my job to take care of their car. Now, if my doctor brought me in. Um, you know, I go twice a year because I'm diabetic, so I got to go in. And when I go in, one of the first things that happens, the nurse takes me in, they, they, they weigh me, and they do a blood test to see what my blood sugar level is. That's, that's the, the start of the whole thing. And then I go in a room, and the doctor comes in later and has a conversation with me. If they only check my blood sugar and they, you know, they don't check the rest of me out, are, 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 is the doctor doing the job? that I want them to do what's best for me. And, and I would say no. And I, I think if we don't, you know, I, I can remember, you know, 60s, 70s cars, uh, 80s cars, you know, they, they, they weren't going to last. Um, you know, you, you, changing the oil was like, uh, you know, if you owned a 1965 Mustang, changing the oil was really important. And then twice a year you, you adjusted the carburetor and, you know, once a year you tuned it up, put plugs in it. You know, there were things that you just did. Uh, today, I think it's about looking the car over and really determining what the car needs. And if I don't have the opportunity to do that, I'm doing a disservice to uh, the, my customer, and I'm also doing a disservice to myself. Uh, uh, BJ, do, does there, um, you know, is it, again, in my, I don't want to say in my own best interest, because maybe it doesn't matter here. Am I really, is it really necessary for me and why is it necessary as a shop owner or as a service advisor to make sure that that car really gets looked at and that customer really gets told what's happening with their car? Well, 
I, you know, it's our responsibility to do a good, good and thorough job. And I think uh, most people that are waiting or want to wait is because of the lack of understanding at the time it really takes to do a good and thorough job, right? So as Ryan says, it's all about the education. But uh, uh, as a professional shop and operation, um, you know, we'd be doing a, 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 we wouldn't be doing a great service to our customer if we weren't looking the cars over, right? How many times have we seen people uh, rush cars through the shop not get the inspection process done and it bites them every time or almost every time. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just the best thing to do. It's the right thing to do. If, well, and I, if, and I, sorry, can I just add something quick? I think please. gone are the days of, um, a shop not having the ability to be completely transparent with their customers. Um, you know, Hey, leave your vehicle with me. Um, when we do the inspection, I'm going to be able to show you, via a tablet or a text message or an email picture, exactly the part that's failed on your car, the maintenance item that needs replacing. And if, if shops aren't using those tools to their advantage to maybe sell the no waiter aspect of the business, then, then I think they're not doing themselves any favors. Um, you know, by, by that I mean is when the customer is not trusting you, and like Ryan was saying, um, the automotive industry as a whole, people still struggle with with trust there. Um, I feel like the ability to use those inspection tools, digital inspection tools, helps helps everybody, the customer, the service advisor, the technician, and the shop all be able to be completely transparent. And I think that would also be a major key in in having the waiter not wait, essentially, because you can be like, hey, listen, I know you want to be able to see this stuff. When, we do, when we're done the inspection, we're going to be able to send you a, a digital copy of everything that we've, we've looked at, all of the parts we're recommending, and why. And I think that's maybe a, a good tool that everybody should be utilizing. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed, uh, even today. I mean, I can understand. Right now, I would say maybe a little more than 50% of the shops probably have a DVI, maybe 50, somewhere in there. Because DVIs have only come on in the last two or three years. And they're being developed, and pe some people are waiting to see, you know, which one's best and how, you know, can I use this? And it has changed the way that we do things in shops. Um, but I, I still even walk into shops, some that don't have a point of sale. Um, they're, they're handwriting tickets. And so that, that really shocks and surprises me. Um, I think today if you're a shop and you want to be a professional shop and you want to have that um, – uh, transparency that you're talking about, you know, a DVI, a uh, digital vehicle inspection system, it's a it's a necessity uh, to be a modern shop and to and to create that uh, that transparency. Um, Tom, uh, does the customer? I, I'm I'm writing. I, I was I just recently wrote some more sales material for our, our sales class stuff. Um, one of the times when a customer is upset. Um, uh, uh, is because we didn't meet their expectations. So, so two two questions. One is, a, a waiter customer, what is their expectation? And then, does the customer, any customer I bring in my shop, do they have some kind of an expectation that I have inspected their vehicle and that that I, do I have some kind of liability towards that vehicle if it's been through my business? So, those two questions. Yeah, so a waiting customer's expectation is for you to do what they brought the vehicle in for and in a timely manner. Um, 
And the second question, um, does a customer expect us to check their vehicle and let them know everything? Uh, I would say no until we educate them to expect that. Um, so don't you, I, don't, I, I got to disagree with you 100% here. Um, uh, having been at the counter for many, many years, once a cart came through my shop, uh, two weeks later, something else broke. So we had, a, we had a vehicle in our shop. We did a great inspection on the car. Um, we did, I don't know, $4,000 worth of work on this car. It was a pretty healthy ticket. Uh, it's a Chrysler. Now, that, that, that doesn't matter, but it was a Chrysler, okay? Um, car ran great. We test drove it. We probably drove the car 20 miles uh, uh, because we did a lot of work to it. Um, customer left the shop. Uh, they drove it for another two weeks. Uh, they probably drove another four or 500 miles. Now, we didn't do any work on the transmission, so we didn't take it out and reseal it. We didn't uh, service it. We did nothing on the transmission. Well, Two weeks later, the transmission fails on this car, you know, and, and, and what's the first thing that the customer says? Okay. Yeah, uh, no, and they, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so, so there's two sides to that. Uh, a customer expects you to have completely gone through their whole car if there is an issue, but as far as a, like a waiting appointment, do they expect you to thoroughly go through their car? If it's a new customer that's just coming in for a, uh, uh, say an oil service waiter, I don't think they really have the expectation that you're going to do the kind of job that we really do until you explain that to them. Um, maybe it takes two or three visits of explaining that to them before they really get used to the, you know, the list that they get of recommendations. But, but yeah, I definitely agree. As soon as you touch, as soon as you open the hood on the car, you're liable for whatever was in the trunk, you know, so two sides to that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, quickly uh, do a brief commercial here. Um, we have a management class, uh, January 14th and 15th here at the institute. Um, we will be teaching you how to manage people and how to get people to do what you need them to, uh, making your your business run easier. Um, I think you could probably talk to anyone, uh, at least on our uh, current uh, broadcast, and uh, I think some of the management skills they learn from the institute have really helped them to hone their business and run a, a quality business that makes money and runs easier. Uh, Tom, does your business run easier today than it did uh, uh, four years ago? You know it, buddy. There was a reason well, I had that big old cheesy grin when I just sat down. I got things <laughs> happening without me as we speak. So 2019 is looking pretty darn good. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and I, 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 I'm not going to ask the rest. All right. Um, I, I want to go back uh, uh, to this idea of um, liability. Um, it, I, it's probably not real liability in the sense that if I just changed the oil and I didn't do any other work to the car, I'm not really liable for the rest. But is there in the customer's mind a liability that's created because I did something to their car because their car was in my shop? Ryan, is there a liability? I mean, at the very least, you could lose a customer. I mean, it's that's one of the no wins i feel like where there is going to be an expectation everybody knows the dreaded what did you do to my car call to me it falls back to the expectation you know it's it's just like you going to the doctor i can't do a good job in a really short period of time okay uh mike do you, do you think there's an expectation created um uh, by the you know in the customer's mind because i touched their car uh that there's yeah. some liability to me absolutely but i I think there's 
the education level that you need to communicate with your customer. If he phones you and says, hey, Mike, uh, you know, we just had the shop in la or the car in the shop last week. You guys did, you know, the brakes on it. And now my check engine lights on. What, what, what did you do? Well, then you got to just say, listen, you know what? Really sorry to hear that. Um, obviously, let's get the car in the shop. If there is any correlation to what's caused that check engine light to the work that we performed on the vehicle last week, then 100% we will take uh, the, the, the steps to fix that problem. And if there's not, then we're going to have to discuss, you know, what the recommended repair is going to be and, and kind of go forward from there. But obviously there's going to be some liability attached to you because you touched their, you touched their car last, right? So obviously it's your fault. So I'm, I've been in the automotive business virtually my entire life, except for the first 18 years of it. Um, the, 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 I've been at the counter, I don't know, more than half of that time frame. Um, more than once I've had a customer come into the shop. We did something to their car. Uh, and we did a great inspection on their car, and uh, and uh, uh, things looked great. And and two weeks later, three weeks later, something broke, something went bad. And I've used that 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 very same thing. Hey, Mr. Customer, um, you know uh, uh, if it has anything to do with what we did. Now, when I call them back and I go, Hey, you know we checked. It has nothing to do with the brake job we did, or the service we did, or the valve cover gaskets, or whatever. This is something else. Isn't there, um, a BJ, isn't there in their mind um, some doubt created, some, some, man, if this happens again, I don't know that I want to go back to that shop because, frankly, you know, they, they're not taking care of my car. Yeah, you, that's part of the whole education process. We have to sit down and make sense of it, explain to them to where they can understand. And sometimes they will not understand no matter what you do, Right. Um, but you know, we, we have the obligation to, to try to spend that time with them to make them feel good about what happened, why it happened and what the, what the process is to get it, uh, eradicated. Right. Uh, and sometimes we're going to, we're going to fix it. Even if it's not our, you know, we didn't cause the problem, you know, because it's the right thing to do sometimes. But, uh, what really happens, I think you get a lot of shops out there that aren't running a profitable business. Um, you know, they're working week to week and then something like this comes up. Let's say it's a, you know, a transmission job that, that you're going to eat, you know. Uh, you can't afford to eat it if you're not making any money, right? So you're going to fight with the customer. You can do everything you can to avoid having to try to pay for this thing that you can't afford to pay for, you know. So um, running a profitable business makes it much simpler and easier to deal with for sure. So our, our not having waiters... Um, a, a part of running a profitable business. I mean, you know, here we are, all five of us, we're, we're like, in our businesses, we don't have waiters. Maybe I should have uh, went out and got a couple of people that have a lot of waiters and they feel like they got to have waiters uh, for well, this. Maybe, well, maybe like uh, the other guys are saying as well, that uh, by having them people there and we're entertaining them and we're being, you know, we're being, we're not being efficient, right? We're not being productive because we're constantly having to, oh yeah, uh, let me get you a cup of coffee. Let's uh, do this. Let's, you know, so uh, yes, it's uh, definitely uh, takes away from our efficiency, uh, you know, so uh, I would, you know, just say like everybody else that yes, it's much more productive to have them out of there than to have them there, you know? I, I, I would 99% of them are out of there financially. Uh, let's talk financially for, for just a moment, uh, because I think everyone here that's running a business, so we got Mike, we got Tom, we got Ryan, you're all running businesses today. Um, 
and you all have higher average repair orders instead of lower average repair orders in your business, and you're all fairly successful in, in what you do. Um, the, the choice not to have waiters, uh, uh, I can tell you financially that if I look at a shop that has a lot of waiters coming through, um, that their average repair order is going to be lower than a shop that has no waiters coming through. Why is that true? Why why would that why would that be absolutely true that a shop with no waiters is going to have a higher average repair order? Um, um, Ryan, why why is that true? I think it's one of the core concepts uh, that at least we try to teach people, and that is uh, there's a lot of non-billable time in the automotive. Uh, a service advisor can spend up to an hour per customer between making the appointment, doing the estimate, the the sales call, the follow-up, the dispatching, the parts ordering, all of that. There can be up to an hour, you know, average per car. And for a technician, if they're doing their job, they're going to rack it, they're going to test drive it, they're going to do a complete inspection, they're going to write up all their findings. None of that can we bill for. So a lot of these shops, when there's actual no dollars at the end of the account or in the account at the end of the month, they're thinking, well, we need more cars, and they put more cars in the mix, and they just don't get those dollars. It has to do with that no pay time. So if we can reduce the no pay time by increasing, you know, the amount of work per job, the hours per RO, instead of being half hour to an hour, if we can get an hour and a half to two or even three, a lot of the good shops are up at three. And make no mistake, we're not recommending work that people don't need. This is all stuff that they need. And if they can't do it now, fine, they can do it at the next time. But would you rather, if you ask your customer, would you rather bring your car in three times per year or two times a year? A lot of shops just aren't asking. They're just assuming. They're just they're letting people have their way with them and they're doing the weights, but that's the simple answer to it is, you know, we really need the time. We need the time to do it right, to do the right inspection, to get the work done, just to order the parts. I mean, it's just, there's, it's so impractical to have somebody sitting out there again, interrupting you chomping at the bit versus if they're not there, they're, if they're there, they're thinking about their car, you know, if they're at work or at home, they're just getting on with their life and we are getting on with our life, which happens to be taking good care of the car. Uh, to me, it's a win-win for everybody. I have I have watched shops pull a uh, technician off of a six thousand dollar job that they're going to finish today, and I'm going to bring that money in, good margin, good dollars, to do a uh, discount waiter oil change on another customer's car, in the fear that if they don't, this customer is going to do that oil change somewhere else, and someone else is going to get uh, uh, that that business. Um, uh, working with the tire store, I'm using tire store um, uh, analogies today. Um, you know, we had a tire store that we had 64 cars coming through per day, and we were doing a lot of uh, free inspections, uh, uh, you know, free flat repairs, free tire rotations uh, in that mix. And when I sat down with the, with the owner uh, of the tire store and, and said, you know, why are you doing this free stuff, these free rotations and, and all the other stuff, and, and here's what he said to me. He said, see, so the reason that we put that in place was so that we could inspect the car and sell the additional work. But they weren't inspecting the car because they were trying to run it through too quickly. They, they, they weren't, they had these waiters putting pressure on them. They had too many vehicles uh, uh, in their business. Now, you know, some people, Ryan, are going to say, um, uh, and you don't have to unmute yourself. I'm just, this is a, a, a point I want to make. And I'm going to ask Tom and, and actually Mike uh, the next question on this. Some people will say that the car doesn't need that kind of work. Um, uh, and if you do that work, 
the next time they come in, you know, the, the, you, you, your average repair is going to drop and drop because once you've taken care of the car, the car's taken care of. Um, but in my business, I found we had a 3.2 hour average repair order over six years. So for a whole six years, we, we, we had a, I don't know what it was, 73, 74% return rate. So of our clients that came in every month, 74% were returning clients with their same cars over and over. And we had, uh, you know, 26% new people coming in because of our, our marketing. And, and um, we had 3.2 hours on every car. And if I ever had a technician that would try to sell a customer something that the car didn't need, I would fire that guy. So, so I've got people out there, uh, Tom and Mike, they're going to say, but the car never needs three, three hours worth of work. You know, how can you have an $800? You guys are ripping people off because you have an $800 average repair order. Um, that's the that's the easy uh, way for them to go. Uh, if you're successful and you you got an eight eight hour you know eight eight hundred dollar average repair order, then you must be doing something wrong. Yet you have an eight hundred dollar average repair order and you're not. How do you answer that that person, Tom? I'm going to pass it to you in a sec, Mike. Well, first of all, I'd like to see the person claiming that or the shop owner that would be claiming that. I'd like to see what kind of vehicle they're driving because I know what kind of work mine needs but uh, you know we we sell uh, we sell a pretty low percentage of work so yeah we have an $800 average repair order but uh, our average opportunity is over $2,000 you know uh, an average set of struts on a vehicle now is what 12 to 1500 bucks uh, and the average vehicle fails around that 100,000 mile mark and the average car that comes in my shop is at 120,000 miles so that alone um, adds up, you know, a vehicle coming in at 50,000 miles is due for all of its fluid services that are, you know, on average, what, eight, 900 bucks. So the opportunities there, um, I, a lot of people are just scared to, uh, they're scared to talk about it because they feel like they're going to scare their customer away is I think what it comes down to most of the shop owners that I've talked to that their opportunities really low. They just don't believe. Uh, they just don't believe in in things the way that they should. Um, the vehicles I have that I currently drive, um, I paid a lot of money for them, and I want to drive them for a long time so I can get that money back. So, and I want my wife driving her vehicle at two hundred thousand miles, that is just as safe as it was at fifty thousand miles. So therefore, I spend about two thousand dollars a year maintaining that vehicle. And when I'm talking to a customer or if I'm training my advisors to talk to a customer, whatever we would do to our vehicle is what we do to their vehicle. Um, so we believe in what we do on our vehicle. We believe in what they do on their vehicle. So it's just easy to, to recommend those things. And yeah, a lot of customers can't do the 2,500 bucks or whatever it needs uh, every single time. But uh, more often than not, they'll buy Obviously, they'll buy an, on average eight hundred dollars worth in uh, in in our shop and uh, re-retain close to ninety percent of our customers. So we're definitely not scaring them away by by recommending the things that we fully believe they need. I got I got to come back, but I, I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back to you because I got another question that, that that follows up on that. But I need to ask Mike, Mike, how do you answer that guy? That other shop owner that says, "Well, if you're doing nine hundred dollars worth of work on these cars, you're you're ripping someone off." I think the answer to that question is, you know, are we 
are we doing our inspections properly? Is that guy doing his inspections properly? Because, I mean, every vehicle that comes into our shop doesn't necessarily uh, walk out of the door with a $3,000 estimate. But, you know, on average, most cars that come into the shop are going to need a couple of filters, probably do for a fluid service, maybe even do for spark plugs. Um, there's always going to be maintenance items that are due at every certain mileage marker. And if you have educated your customers that maintenance versus breakdown is more cost effective, then they're going to be a lot more keen to pick up and, and buy those services that you've recommended. And so I think that argument from this other shop owner is, well, have, are you educating your customers on being a maintenance customer versus a breakdown customer? Because if they're not doing that, then they're, they're taking money out of their own pocket at that point because they're not doing their customers any favors and they're not doing their shop any favors either. Um, uh, I'm going to go back. Now I'm going to come back to Tom. Tom, uh, follow-up <clears throat> um, follow question. What did you do or is there something you did that, that made your customers more likely to be maintenance customers than come in for a, a, a quick oil change? Yeah, uh, and it, and it takes time. You know what I mean. You can't just so if you're if you're a shop owner currently taking waiters, you can't just decide right now listening to this webinar. Okay, I'm not a I'm a zero waiter shop. You know if you're allowing you know most well, you can well you can <laughs> you could definitely decide to do that, and that's what I'd recommend. But that doesn't mean you're not going to have any waiters tomorrow. Um, you've got to. Uh, I I probably took ten waiters a day. You know when I met you. And it took me probably a year to a year and a half to train all those customers uh, that I don't do waiters. Uh, that was like my number one fielded call is, hey, why are you not letting me make an appointment? Uh, but now, you know, four or five years later, customers just know not to ask. That's just a silly question because I've trained them. So it just takes a little while. Um, so I just started training them. I, I started explaining to customers, just like I would talk to you is how I talk to everybody. You know, just you, I tell them exactly why. I can't run a productive shop and take waiters. And I explain to them what it takes to, you know, to operate a shop. Uh, I'll even share my numbers with them if, uh, if they're willing to hear. But, but it's true, right? You, uh, you cannot run a 100 to 120% productive shop and, and take waiters. If anybody knows how to do that, I'd, I'd love to hear. But I personally cannot. And then on the flip side, I can't make my 15 to 20% net that I deserve um, if I'm not 100 to 120% productive. So I just flat out cannot take waiters. And uh, I explain it to my customers in that very same manner. Uh, to where they under they understand if you talk to people and explain what you're trying to do and how they fit into that, uh, they'll they'll help you out. You just got to educate them. I used to when I, when I um, when I took calls and and uh, customer would say, hey, "I'd like to come in and wait." I'd say, "Well, you know, we don't do that. We need every car for a minimum of four hours. That was our our minimum. I mean, you know, we'd really like to have the car for the day." And the customer would say, "What?" But the service only takes, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And we say, yeah, but I have a technician who's working on another vehicle. He may get hung up. We may not be able to get your vehicle. And, of course, we want to have the time to do a good inspection. And it's in your best interest uh, to do that. Here's why, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I kind of lead with that. And, and, and I think that 99% of my clients went, okay, I get it. And, uh, and, and, they, and they were fine. You know, maybe we lost one or two here and there, but 
I don't think they let us do the work anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, uh, uh, BJ, there's that. It seems to me like, at least in our conversations, if you're running a, sh a shop that's that um, a relationship shop where they want you to look the car over and they really want you to tell you what's going on, that you just you just really shouldn't have, or you or, or you can't really have waiters in that business. Is that is that true? I I think it's exceptionally true. Yes. Um, you know, you, you know, from way back in the day when, like you said, you know, you, you think you got to have them, right? And once you go from that to the model of no waiters, it just, it just, it just crazy good, right? It's, it's much more efficient. It gets the pressure off your service visor and gets the customer out of the way where they're not thinking about their car. I mean, it's just, uh, there's just so many good things about it that, uh, I, I just don't know why you would run the other type of model, but like uh, Tom said, there's people out there that do it, and uh, you know, it's okay. That's what they do. Uh, we do what we do. But uh, um, uh, yeah, it took me a long time to to get that through. I think in my early days, but uh, um, you know, had a nice, beautiful waiting room, and there was hardly ever anybody in it. You know, maybe waiting for a shuttle ride or something or whatever until the for the van to get back. But uh, for the most part, we didn't have hardly anybody in there at any time. Okay, I think that uh, I think. I think a great I think a great point to make in the argument of to not have waiters is you take a high car count low average repair order shop versus a low car count high average repair order shop and I bet you the high car count low average repair order shop is going to have a lot of waiters because they're not giving the customer 100% of their service and 100% of their time because they're just worried about banging that car in and out of the shop whereas if you go to the low car count low car count high average repair order shop that shop doesn't have any waiters, and they're giving that customer 100% every time they bring their car into the shop. I think the worst part about the, the having the waiters around is it, it does put pressure on the employees, and the employees feel that pressure no matter what you do. I think that the service advisors do. I think the customer, you know, looking at their watch every five minutes puts that pressure on the service advisor. The service advisor's out there putting the pressure on the tech. Hey, it's been 35 minutes. How come I don't have this car out? And the customer puts pressure again because the customer wants their car. They want them to go. They have places to go and things to do. So we don't literally have the opportunity to give that customer that 110% or that that uh, that great inspection, that great estimate, and, and the time with the service advisor. And I think that's the probably the primary thing. Now, we're getting to the end, which seems to come darn fast here. Um, uh, uh, words of wisdom for a shop owner out there right now that doesn't have the average repair that they want, that, that's, that's dealing with waiters and feeling that pressure, uh, what would you tell uh, that shop owner? You got uh, you got one minute to, to, to give them the advice that you want to give them. Let's start with BJ. BJ, what's your advice or words of wisdom to that guy? I would say, you know, uh, listen to what we said today, what we talked about today between all of us and stuff, and look at how you're running your model today, uh, and, and, and at least think about that uh, and try it. Uh, and see what that does for you. Um, you know, learn how to educate your customers and get them out of there and give you give your guys the space they need to do a good job, good thorough job. Uh, spend the time on the education. I think you'll be uh, overwhelmingly pleased by it. Okay, I got three shop owners here that all have, they all run. Uh, you know, they the higher ticket. You're you're going to talk to this guy or gal that owns this shop. They're they may be struggling. They're not making the dollars they need to. Um, maybe they are making the dollars, but they like to run a, a better business that, that is easier to run. Ryan, what's your, what's your advice to that person? What do you tell them? 
Yeah, we've all made the transition, so it is definitely possible. I would say think about how it might actually be better for the customer. Uh, it's always a, a popular sentiment that we really want to take care of the customers. And I know that the people out there watching aren't going to want to do something that goes against their own personal values. So if you're not understanding why it might be better for the customer, take some time and think about that. Um, take a look at a customer and, and, and how many cars they own over a long period of time. And, and if we take really good care of the car and it has less breakdowns and it lasts them longer, it will it will save the money in the long run. So I think there's a lot of that what they call stinking thinking out there, but try to try to understand how it could actually benefit the customer. Know that a lot of people have been where have been there and made the transition. It can happen. You can re-educate people. You'll have to sit down and decide how you want to make that presentation. And, and yeah, you may lose a couple. And I think Cecil, you made a good point that you know the people that won't let you do it are the people that just aren't going to take care of their car anyway. They're they're going to spend more money because they're going to own three or four cars over a ten year period and. There are other shops out there for them, and that's not a bad thing. Okay. Uh, Tom, uh, advice to that, that guy or gal? Yeah, so if you're a shop owner or manager that uh, is taking a bunch of waiters and uh, just can't see getting away from it, uh, I promise you can do it. It's one of the harder things I've done, um, but also the best thing I've done. So uh, we can show you in a number of different ways why you need to do it. So my recommend would be to reach out to us. Cecil's got spreadsheets coming out of his ears that we can show you the math and prove to you uh, why you need to do this. So uh, take the leap, do it, reach out to us, we'll help you. Be the best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, Mike, um, your words of wisdom and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, I gotta say that, uh, you know, if you're concerned about the waiter you just got to look at the look at the dollars i mean are you using are you using all the tools at hand with your digital inspections are you educating your customers on um the maintenance versus breakdown you know maintaining a vehicle over 10 years versus driving one to the ground and then buying a new one is not cost effective um, for a customer, you know, if he maintains that vehicle and takes good care of it, it's going to cost him a lot less money in the long run. And I think that if you can educate your customers to understand that maintaining a vehicle for 10 years versus buying two vehicles over every five years because it's broken, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself, right? So um, I think that's a good way to educate your customers that way. I'd, I'd like to, to throw the money um, out and forget about it. Um, I think it's better for the shop financially if we really look the car over and tell the customer about everything they need. Um, but I'd like to take that out of the mix. I'd like to, I'd like to say, and um, for me, it's about taking care of that car. That's my job. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Um, I need my customer not to break down. I need my customer not to have additional problems. I need my customer to drive that car for 10 years and feel good about driving that car for 10 years. It's better for them, you're right, financially. Uh, it's better for the shop financially if we don't have waiters and we uh, have bigger tickets and, and we, we find that work and we do that work and really maintain that car. But I think morally or, or ethically, I, I have an obligation to take care of that car or try to. Now, the customer may not let me. That's always their choice. But it's my obligation to, to give them that information. I mean, I don't always do what my doctor says. I, I mostly do but I don't always, I mean, I'm, I haven't lost 60 pounds. That's one of the things my doctors told me, but 
you know, I do almost everything else. I take my meds. I, you know, I, I go see them when I need to see them. Um, so I would say, you know, no waiters. It's, it, it, it's a very, it's just the wrong thing to do. It's just not going to work the way you want. Now, um, we're, we're at the end. I want to thank everybody for being here, guys. As usual, you know, it, it goes by way too fast. It's way too fun for me. Uh, so thank you very much for being here. Now I'm going to, um, you can check out other episodes by going to the Institute's Leading Edge. That's I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E-S, leadingedge.podbean.com. Uh, or you can find us on iTunes and Spotify by searching for The Leading Edge. Uh, look for the gear uh, with the microphone and the headphones. Uh, you can submit questions or topics directly through Facebook or by emailing the Institute at ifraid.com. We'd love to discuss the topic that's on your mind. Uh, and uh, we're not afraid to, to talk about something that's a bit controversial and happy to have guests online that, that uh, on the meeting that, that want to talk the other side. Um, uh, as I get older, I find that I'm, I'm trying to open up to other ideas uh, that may have been a little closed off to me before. A happy New Year for everyone uh, watching. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Join us next time as we talk about performance type pay plans and how it helps motivate and manage your staff's performance. Learn how to build them yourself from shop owners who did the same thing with their own businesses. Subscribe at institutesleadingedge.pondbead.com so you don't miss out. Or find us on iTunes and Spotify at The Leading Edge. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.